Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Dana. As a confidence restoration coach, Dana helps people who are afraid of speaking their truth and wants to help them rebuild their confidence so that they're able to start over fresh while building wildly successful online businesses. In three years, she moved to Japan after escaping an abusive killer marriage. Using the lessons she learned during and after her own divorce, she helps other people who are (laughs) lacking the confidence to move forward and wants to help them believe that they too can start fresh and build successful futures for themselves, even if they can't see it yet. Okay, Dana, welcome to the podcast. And thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so, so excited to be here. So I'd love to have you take us back, Dana. We've had quite a few episodes on domestic violence. So I always like featuring them because I too am a survivor. And I think that with every story we share, that somebody can learn something new from it and maybe see a little bit of themselves in it if they're in a situation like that. So I'd love to have you take us back to where it all started with that relationship. So funny enough, I, I have grown up in the church since I was two. And we actually met at church because we I was very active in the youth department and he was new. He was funny. He was charming. And I was relatively shy. So I saw this guy and I was like, oh, wow, let me talk to him. And we both had mentors at the time. And our mentors actually said, "Let's you should get together because you'd be a good fit. And at first I was like, nah, I'm not really interested in this person. But over time, as he made me laugh, and the more he made me laugh, and he just did not judge me based on the fact that I was a mess at times, I eventually fell for him. And that was when I was about 16. And we were together um, for about five years. And we got married when I was 21, when I graduated from university. And at first, it was great. And then, yeah everything started but it all started when I was 16 years old in high school isn't the how it always starts like every single story I've shared nobody has ever said oh yeah the first day he called me a slut like it, it always is like they're so charming and they're so nice in the beginning that we're like oh yes this is a great person and then it's like the dark side comes out later on right it was very it threw me off off like I had no I was completely blindsided that's like I, I stutter because I can't find the words to describe like I was so caught off guard it was just not funny I did not see coming a mile or two or a hundred miles away so tell us a little bit about your relationship with him like what what was the experience like? Because, you know, it starts off where he's nice, but, you know, in your bio, you describe killer relationship. So it's definitely took a turn, like we said. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so we got married when I was 21. And for the first, let me say the first six months, 
it was good. We were we were at New Lord, so we didn't really have much. Um, at the time, I wasn't working just yet, so he was the main um, earner, and I would be at home kind of taking care of the house, stuff like that. Eventually, I did get a job, so I would start working. And in November of that year, like, he started acting really strange. Like, he'd be, at first, when we were together, we would talk about everything. He would be very open, very, like, honest as far as I knew. And I felt super comfortable with him. He was the first person that I ever felt just kind of accepted me for who I was, thought I was beautiful. He was the first guy that ever told me that I was beautiful. So... Um, at first, we were really, really, like, together, like, on sync. We'd be going, doing things together, doing everything together. And then in November, he started getting very distant. And I I don't know if you call, you call it women's tuition, intuition. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was like, um, something's not right. And then in March of the following year, I was going through his phone. I, it sounds bad. But I was going through his phone, and I found these messages between him and this other guy. And I was like, wait, this does not sound like a normal platonic friendship. And I confronted him about it. He said he was just like kidding around. That's how they talk. It's not a big deal. That's just how they are. So I was like, okay. And after that, things just kind of escalated where um, he would not come home. He, he had a job where he would have to travel sometimes. But he got to the point where he was not at home at all. I was left at home by myself for a long time. And when I would message him, he would like shrug me off or he would say specific things. And I remember one time when I was very, very low and I was so lonely. And I think I took a picture, like a semi-nude or a nude picture. And I sent it to him, like, you know, you like to kind of say, hey, don't you want to come home to this? And he's right. like, that was... his response shook. It, it changed my life his response he said that was and I quote that was the most disgusting thing I've ever gotten do not ever send anything like that to me again oh Oh, my and it shattered my self-esteem it took me years years to get back the self-esteem that I lost that day and it just kind of went continued to go downhill until eventually I found out that he was having multiple affairs with not women but other men okay why would you marry a woman if you're into men i asked him that question a lot because i was super confused as to why would you even do this like we went we were in church we were like my parents were very strict and at first my mom did not like him at all she did did not think that he was a good match for me and he won her over and he, you know, he even promised my father that, you know, he take care of me. It's, it's all good. He really loves me. Everybody thought that he was so into me and into us. And he, it was like a beautiful, we were like the, the, the star couple. So it just, I still don't know why he would do it. And to be honest, to this day, he has still never admitted that he is attracted to men. That's got to be a really sad life to not be able to admit that who you truly are. It is. I can imagine that it is sad because I I would never think that, you know, somebody would want to go through it. All the things that he went through, all the cover-ups, all the different things and not, you know, it just, it just took me off guard completely. I, I, I don't think people to this day are even prepared, are still even conscious of what happened and why it happened 
nobody really asked him why or ever asked him why. So they don't know why he did what he did. Right. So what happened when you confronted him, like after you confronted him about all these affairs? So how these affairs all came out is that one day I was at home and I had learned how to hack a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I... He had left me at home for my birthday. He had left me and he had done whatever where he wanted to go. And I had his laptop and we both had the same laptop. So I kind of hacked into his Facebook because he had changed change the password. So I hacked into his Facebook account and I found these messages between him and some other guys. And I at the time had a pastor who was a friend, who was our landlord. And I showed him the messages because I felt like I was going crazy. Maybe I was, you know, um, playing too much into things it was just like innocent so when I showed him he confirmed my feelings and eventually I moved out that very night and went to stay with my parents and when I was with my parents he came home that night did not know that I was gone and he asked me what happened and I told him I can't talk to you right now because I just don't want to talk to you right now so the next morning he called me and he asked me what happened and that's when I said look I know this is happening, this, 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 this is happening. And I'm like, just please tell me. Like, at that time, I was very timid. So I'm like, just please tell me what happened. I promise you, I will not yell. I will not scream. Just tell me what is going on. And after telling him that, he's like, okay, this is what's going on. You know, I've been having these affairs with these guys. You know, whenever he thought I was at work, I was actually with them. And he was there on the phone. And of course, being as woman hearing all of this is like I said I was gonna be angry but I was like you know what screw that I just started yelling on this on on the phone like asking how he could do this and all these different things and at first he sounded very remorseful he's like you know I'm sorry and but then he turned the table and he was blaming me he was like how can I be judging him I am such a horrible person I need to understand you know how what he's been going through and he was raped when he was a child and he was telling me all these different things and trying to blame me for what happened i'm pretty sure that you can't um be the one that's responsible for his attraction to men and yet he found some way to blame me and where i was at that point like the vulnerability the low self-esteem I just kind of like, I didn't know how to respond because he's saying that you should have understood how I felt. I thought that marriage would change me and you are just judging me and you're not supposed to judge. You're a Christian. And he's just telling me all these different things. And I just literally broke down. I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know anything. And after that, funny enough, as strange as it might sounded, have sounded, I wanted to see if it could work right I wanted to see if he could change if things could change if things could happen and I eventually agreed even though we weren't living together to try to go to counseling to make it work and it didn't so what happened in the end what made it a killer relationship okay so a few, I, we were supposed to go into Florida for a vacation together in February 2013. I remember that. So I had to go to the U.S. Embassy in Jamaica to get my U.S. visa. And he had needed a marriage certificate because I had torn up the first copy because I was just so upset. Right. They had the first copy. And he needed the copy that I had. 
So he came to my house, got the copy, and he went to the embassy. And he was supposed to have checked in uh, with me the next day to, so that I could then go to my appointment. He didn't check in, and I was concerned. I was worried. So we lived um, a few minutes away from each other. So I grabbed my keys, and I walked out, and I walked to the house. Upon agreement with our pastor and counselor, he was not to have any male relatives, male friends, anybody that's male at the house with him. Mm-hmm. So when I went there, I actually heard the voice of the guy that I knew that he was da 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 with. Right. So I started having like this panic attack. I started getting queasy and like short of shortness of breath and I started yelling and I was so I remember I was so upset that day I started yelling at him like to get his butt out of the house because I wanted to talk to him and eventually he came to there's like a veranda with a grill mm-hmm. and he came to the veranda and he said why am I yelling I'm just embarrassing myself so I said what do you mean I'm yelling I can hear xyz's voice in the house I know he's there he's like what do you mean of course he's there. He and another girl are there. They had gone to rehearsal the night before. There was some kind of a shooting in their community, so they had to stay over. So I said, okay, then, where is the girl? He says that the girl left because she needed to do something in the morning. So I said, all right, then, well, open the grill and let me in so I can talk to XYZ. He said he can't because he lost his key. So I said, how did the girl get out of the house? He said the other, the other tenant, when she was leaving, the girl left with her. So I said, okay, then. And I was, like, again, yelling and screaming because this is just beyond crazy. So I was just yelling and screaming. All of a sudden, XYZ comes out, opens the grill, and comes up into my face and starts yelling at me. Why am I there at the house? Why am I going on like this? Why am I making a fool of myself? So I was like, who is XYZ to be, you know coming at me like this who is this person to to want to tell me that what I can do with my house that I'm paying the rent for because at the time I was still paying the rent right. so I pushed past this person went into the house and to be honest Megan when I went into the house I was shocked do you know like those catalogs that they have for the houses that have like a model house with all the furniture and all these nice things that are there yeah so that's what I entered. When I left the, the place at the year before, there was nothing there because we really didn't have anything. But when I went entered that day, that house was furnished to the T. There was there was like those chandelier things, like the nice everything was just like brand spanky new. It looked like a model home. And I was shocked because I didn't expect that. So I was looking around like where did all this stuff come from? Then the same guy comes up behind me and he says, You need to leave. So I turned to my ex and I said, what do you mean I need to leave? How, how are you allowing him to talk to me like this? He doesn't live here. I was the one that lived here. I am the one paying the rent. And eventually my ex says, you know, dude, just go. So he left. I thought he left. When the dude left, my ex grabs me and throws me on the ground and gets on top of me and holds my hand up like I'm on a cross. Mm-hmm. and start yelling at me threatening me like he's gonna kill me you know people never believe him he is the the, the enthusiastic charismatic guy i'm just a shy bitchy girl nobody will believe my story i am going to die there and i was crying i was just pleading for my life because i genuinely thought that he was going to kill me because he was much stronger than i am he had me on the ground 
he was on top of me. He was yelling. He, his eyes were red. Like I could see that he meant to kill me. Mm-hmm. And eventually after yelling and screaming, telling him that I just want to go home. I just want to go home. I don't want to be a part of this. I just want to go home. He eventually gets off, gets off of me and flings me towards the kitchen. And in the kitchen, we had wedding gifts still. So we had these potter, like um, cups that were made of pottery. And he was coming up behind me. And I, in a mix of fear and anger, I just grabbed the first cup and I smashed it in his face. And when I smashed it, his face started bleeding. My hand was bleeding because it was sliced open. And there was just blood everywhere. And even though I was upset and scared, I it all changed to concern because I didn't really mean to hit him. It was just out of self-defense. It was just like a reaction. Right. So I was like, um, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hit you. Are you okay? Because his face was bleeding. I didn't know if his eyes were bleeding. So I was like, I'm so sorry. And I grabbed a towel and I wrapped my hand to keep the blood from, from you know, going on and on and on and I tried to help him and I eventually called like I think I called his brother to come get him and I left the house because he told me to leave and I left the house I I think I grabbed my phone and I think I grabbed his phone my mistake and I grabbed my keys and I had my hand with the bloody towel and I left when I was walking home I saw the guy that was at the house xyz coming with another guy towards the house and I started having this panic attack because I thought that they were going to do something there and then. But they didn't say anything to me. I said nothing to them and we walked past each other. So to get to my mom's house, there are two ways to get there. You can go on the main road and go down or you can go on the back road and go down. Because of the state that I was in, my hand was bleeding. I had all these cuts and bruises. I decided to take the back road. So I was walking on the back road, and when I entered, the, the, when I got to the main road, there was XYZ and the other guy waiting for me. So in less than two minutes, they had gone to the house, seen what happened, and rushed back to meet me. When they got there, I just, all of a sudden, I just saw XYZ. He just ran towards me, picked up this giant rock, and just hit me in the back of the head, and I fell into the street. Oh, and wow. And we lived on a main road. So there was traffic coming to and fro. So at any point in time, a car could have hit me. So I was lying there in the road. Everything that was in my hand was just scattered all over the sidewalk. And he ran towards me again. And he grabbed, picked up the stone. And he was about to hit me again in the face. And it just, for the mercy of God, that a car was passing and saw what happened and stopped. And the guys in the car, they were all guys. They were asking me, what's going on? Why are you hitting this girl? Like, what did she do to you? And he was saying how I, like, bruised and battered his friend, how I was evil. And the guy said, this is a girl. She's defenseless. You have this, like, this big rock. Like, are you going to kill her? And they're like, they, they actually took me up, put me in their vehicle, and they carried me to the police station. And had it not been for them that the doctor said, if he had hit me one more time, I would have died on the roadside like that. Wow. Um, yeah. Oh my and goodness. I, Go ahead. Yeah, that's just and that is that's just like the the major part for the other before that happened, that episode happened, he we had gotten into fights. I had gotten into fights with my ex and he had kicked me in the face, he kicked me in the back, he sat on my chest. He so I had gone through a lot of different like 
abuse, like physical abuse. But I thought that because we were fighting, it wasn't abuse. So mm-hmm. I had gone through different levels of abuse, but that day was like the the ultimate, to like the killer part of the relationship. Because the doctor, I had had an extension sewn into the back of my my hair, and the doctor said that Dana, had you not had these extensions in, your head would have been split open on impact. So basically, my sew-in was the thing that saved my life. Who would have thought? You never would have thought that would save your life. (laughs) It's really funny looking back, but it's crazy that that was what saved my life. Yeah. And that was going to be my question was if um, he had ever done anything before abusive like. And because usually it doesn't like come overnight and it, it makes it makes sense now you saying that, you know, it's happened before that, the, you know, he was violent towards you or mean towards you and abusive towards you. And, um, it's, it's difficult because people listening might be like, well, why don't people li- leave the first time? And like you said, it, you kind of, it, you don't catch on to like, oh, this is abuse. <laughs> yeah, it, seriously. And he'd also been very psychologically abusive to the point where he told me, cause we're Christians. I'm still a Christian. We're Christians. We're we didn't believe in divorce and mm-hmm. because of how charismatic he was and how shy I was, everybody thought that if the marriage ended, it would be my fault. Right. So he played on that insecurity that I had, that I was afraid to be the person that ended the marriage. So that meant that I would just accept anything in desperation to not be the person that was the cause of the divorce. And that's what he prayed on. Yeah. Uh, I, there is actually something I was reading about abuse and they talked about church abuse and it can take many forms. I mean, one um, could be people preventing you from going to church or trying to convert you to their beliefs. Another thing is somebody using your beliefs against you in an abusive manner to manipulate you. Yeah. So that's exactly what happened. And I mean, I was so desperate to get out where I actually, I don't even think my parents knew. I actually tried to commit suicide twice. I, one time I was on the same main road walking and I just stood in the middle of the road waiting for a car to hit me. And it actually stopped like literally two or three inches away from my nose. That's when the car stopped. And I was like, obviously, I guess I'm not meant to die today. And the next time I tried, I was slicing some things in the kitchen and I was just looking at the knife like, this would be so easy to just slice my wrist open right there. And again, it's like, I felt like God just stopped me and I threw the, threw the knife down and I started crying because I really was like, that desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, abuse can play real games with our mental health. I mean, I was at one of my lowest times when I left my abusive relationship. Um, and I mean, I've hit rock bottom since then, but, uh, because I never took the time to heal, um, at the time, like after I left my ex, I never took the time to heal. So what was, uh, what was officially leaving him? What did that look like? Officially leaving him? I, to be honest, oh, wow. I, 
filed for divorce for single 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 person divorce i can't remember the name of it and i uh, what happened so what happened to me so that's me leaving him um because of the incident that happened i pressed charges against um the friend who had abused me and my i didn't press charge against my ex because i just don't know what is it like stockholm syndrome but i just did not press charge against him right and because he found out that i had pressed charges against his friend he decided to carry me to court for the hitting him in the face and eventually i had to go into protective custody because i couldn't believe at home because he had people in the police force and he would send them to my parents house to harass them he'd send them to my workplace to my office to, to harass me and eventually he had the chief of police i think it was chief of police come to my office and demand to my ceo my supervisor my manager that they needed to see me and at the time i wasn't at the work i was at a car dealership i was in charge of a very big um program at Toyota so I was at the dealership and my manager called me and said Dana I need to get back here now so I was like what happened he's like you need to get back here now when I got back there um the police was waiting for me with my CEO and my manager in the boardroom and I was like oh my gosh what is happening eventually they wanted to, to arrest me for the charge so imagine this four very bulky very big police officers escorting one woman down the street because the, the police outpost was near my office. So we were walking down a very, very busy, very, very high profile street. Two police officers in front of me, me in the middle and two behind me. So everybody thought that I was some kind of a serial killer because of why would you have four police officers um, escorting this one girl? That event eventually led them to charging me for abuse, charging me for abuse. And um, after that, we ended up going to court and after we went to court, he wanted to keep um, keep me in court for as long as possible. But it's like, by the grace of God, I got a lawyer who was a friend, and he decided to represent me for free. And my office also assigned me a lawyer for free. So I had two different defense attorneys working for me pro bono, and they actually helped me to, to eventually have the charges dropped through mediation. And after that, I immediately filed for divorce through one of the attorneys, and I had somebody sent him the salons, and it just kind of, it, we just kind of dissolved right there. Like, he still was contacting me, like, he wanted to get back together, he was sorry, you know, he's a better guy, he he don't know what happened um, for that one episode to turn into something big, he, he really loves me, and I just kind of moved as far away from where we were living as possible like I had nothing because he took everything from me but I just kind of left and how and at the end of at the end of everything I was by myself for a while and I still felt like I was being trapped like I felt trapped in the situation even though we were no longer together I still felt trapped by all the friends of his that were around me all the different places that reminded me of our relationship and that's when I decided to move to Japan, which is like, I want to get as far away from this as possible. And that's why I left. Wow, what a story. And, and you know what, people, I, I um, not purposely, but uh, kind of moved very far away from my ex too. I met my husband a couple months later and we got married not long after that. And, and moved, um, we're in the States and I moved literally like, five or six states away from him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, five or six states, that's still too close. I need to go half, I need to go 
halfway across the world. <laughs> halfway across the world. That's, I mean, that's what you did. Um, so you, you went through this horrific relationship that almost cost you your life because of, you know, his crazy drama. And now you're in Japan. Tell us how you rebuilt your life. So I came to Japan as a teacher because I, after the divorce, I didn't know who I was. I was so lost, so broken. And I was like, I don't know who I am. So I moved to Japan and I became a teacher. I started teaching on a very small island in Okinawa. And I taught in public schools. So I was the only um, foreign teacher teaching for three different schools. So while I was there on the island, the, the job was, it was okay. I mean, it paid well. It paid well enough. It paid way more than I had ever gotten back home. So I was there and I was kind of content. But the longer I was there, the more I realized that I wanted to do more with my life. Like, is, is this where it all ends? I feel like, is this like a life sentence that I would just be a divorcee? I would just be like the, 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 the scorned ex-wife. I would just be like a teacher. Not to that a teacher wasn't a good job. It just felt like I was meant for more. So I started a blog and my blog at first was just me ranting about everything I absolutely hated about being Japan and being a black woman in Japan and the experiences, the negative experiences that I had. And then eventually that blog, I realized that people were kind of connected with my story and I was like, maybe I could use this for some good. So I changed the theme of my blog to become like a more of a personal development blog and after doing that for a while, one day I came home from work and I cried. I cried so much because I just didn't want to be a teacher anymore. I wanted to do something else. And at the time, I was like, you know, I would love to start a business, but I never really took it seriously because, like I said, my job paid when and I was comfortable. But then everything came to like a screeching halt when they called me in to say that, you know, we're not going to renew your contract for the next year. And I was like, wait, what? So fear and like panic and like a tiny bit of excitement kind of like came in because I know I had no choice I had to do something so I decided to start a business I didn't know what the business was at the time so I was just using my blog with some ads from Google to try to make something of myself and in my desperation to become something more I hired a coach and the coaching program was 5,000 I remember that was I've never ever ever spent that much on myself before and at the time, I only had maybe six or 7,000 US in my account. And I invested 5,000 because I really, really wanted something good to happen. I wanted to be more. And that coach, it was a bad decision because I didn't get any support or any yeah. real answers. And it was just embarrassing because he had promised me all these things and never delivered. So I was out. 5,000 before I had even gotten started and then over the next few months I kind of tried to scramble to get information from all parts of the internet for free because again I didn't have anything to invest and the more I did that the more flustered I felt the more I tried to get I, I don't know just find something and I was just so discouraged but because I knew within my heart that I wanted to be more and my big enough reason was I wanted to buy my parents a house their house of their dreams I wanted them to live a life where they didn't have to worry about money and I didn't have to worry about money so I eventually um, 
invested in another course and I gained my master life certification after going through six or seven different courses. And after getting my master life certification, I decided that I wanted to, you know, really help women who have low self-esteem, low self-confidence, who have had horrible backgrounds. They've like made mistakes like I did. They've gone through like the self-esteem um, grinder like I did. They felt lost, they felt afraid, they felt judged, they felt criticized, they were tired of, of where they were. They wanted to, you know, be more, they just had trouble seeing how they could do that after all that they've gone through. And when I did that, I joined Toastmasters and I started becoming a speaker. And then after becoming a speaker, I was invited to do different Facebook Facebook and online summits that I've given like speeches to different women and I started connecting with those women and that's when I started get, getting clients and everything kind of started changing there so it took me like two or so years to kind of build back my life into something that seemed like there was structure that there was something worth living for so I hope people listening understand this is two years of pretty heavy personal development, including an, a mistake of investing in a coach that sucked, which happens more often than I would love to admit. Um, now that's not to bash on the bash on the coaching industry. I'm a coach or I was a coach. You're a coach, Dana. There are good coaches out there. We just have to do <laughs> our due diligence to make sure they're not some sketchy people that we're working with. Exactly. Investing in the right coach is the best decision that you could ever make. And I did eventually invest in another business coach. She did help me to, to really fast track my personal development. Because one of the things that I do with working with my clients is I enable them to see things that they can't see for themselves just yet. A lot of them come in and they're hopeless. They're stressed out. They're depressed. They have they are just completely discouraged and broken and they don't see themselves living a better life. And my job is to really help you to guide you to see that there is hope there. There is a better tomorrow. You can't stop being afraid. You can't stop being shy. You can't find your voice. And sometimes I've heard people say that, you know, I want to do this by myself. But the thing is that you can do everything. And I believe you can do everything, but you don't have to do everything by yourself. Sometimes you need an extra pair of eyes, ears, and lips to help you see things that you can't see in yourself. Sometimes you need an extra, an outside um, opinion or an outside kind of guidance to kind of help you to get to where you can't go. Because for many of us, even though we've tried and tried multiple times by ourselves, there are some things that we can't do alone. And that's why there that's why coaches are so important because we're here to really guide you in places where you can't guide yourself. Absolutely. I explain it like this. Like you have everything you need inside of you. You just might need somebody to unlock that and show you how to use it. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's perfectly a perfect explanation of what we do. So Dana, I'd love for you to share with us a few confidence tips because you're a confidence restoration coach. how are some what are some tips that you could give the Inspired Women audience to help them with their confidence? So one of the biggest fears that I see people have that kind of eat into their confidence is a fear of judgment. And I will tell any woman listening that people will judge you. That's, that's straight up. People will judge you. But here's the difference. The thing about it is that people don't judge us as much as we think 
they are judging us. So we would walk into a crowd and we will be wearing our best dress, our makeup is beat to the gods and we're like, oh wow, we feel great. But then we realize that people are around us and we start looking at every kind of imperfection because we feel that people are looking at those imperfections. But in reality, they're looking at their own imperfections. People are more concerned with their own flaws than they are with ours. And the truth is that the less, instead of trying to think of all the reasons that people could be hating on you, focus on all the reasons that they could love you. And the thing is that um, confidence is not just a thing that we say. It's something that we have to really believe and act on. So if you want to be confident, you have to first change the way you think. So instead of being completely negative all the time, try shifting the negatives to the, to the positive. If you believe that I am a horrible speaker, just by changing a horrible to I am a great speaker, you might not see it yet, but the more you the more you say it, the more you believe it, the more you will start acting on it. Because when you think about your thoughts become actions and your actions become your life. So just start by shifting your thoughts and then your thoughts will shift your actions and your actions will shift your confidence. And you, the more you act, is the more confident you become. Because if, for example, you want to be the next apple and you are not confident that you can be the next apple, the first thing you need to do is to change the way you're thinking about yourself. Find your strengths. Find the things that you're good at. Find all the reasons that you could succeed. And then once you find that, start even investing in those skills. If you realize that you're not very good at speaking, join a Toastmasters, join a meetup group. Just start working on little parts of your skills and your talents. And eventually that confidence will come. It's just about changing your thoughts then changing your actions. And then eventually that confidence will come. It's not about just saying, I want to be confident and expecting it will happen overnight. No, it's a continuous process. It's a continuous thing of growing, failing, growing, failing, and growing some more. Because confidence is not about um, becoming perfect in an instance. It's about continuous progress and becoming better and better than you were yesterday. Absolutely. And I think I used to tell, when I was a coach, I used to tell my clients that it's, like you said, it's important to act the way you want to feel. You know, if you want to feel confident, ask yourself, what does confident look like? What does that feel like? And start to, to exude that. And one of the podcasts I listened to, they had a guest on who said, every time you walk through a doorway, stand up straighter and, and like push your chest out, you know, kind of like in the confident pose and walk into the room. Because the more you do that, the more confident you will feel. So I love that you said, that we should act like we're confident because those behaviors and those thoughts are going to create the confidence inside of us. So as we wrap up the podcast today, Dana, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? I want to tell you that if you are tired of being held back by what others think, you're tired of being afraid to speak your truth with confidence, then head over to Dana.com. That's D-A-E-Y-N-A.com. And download your free copy of my workbook, The Self-Confidence Workbook for Women in Biz. This free download will give you the simple yet amazing exercises to help you stop being afraid and start building your confidence today. I also want to tell you that no one else will ever believe in you if you don't start believing in yourself first. Have faith in yourself. Be yourself because who you are is amazing and the world needs to see it. They need more people like you. 
the world needs what only you have to give. And I can't wait to see you give it to the world. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And we will link up all of your links in the show notes that you sent me. So everybody can reach out, they can connect with you, they can check out your website, all of those things. So Dana, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. I love talking to and connecting with other women. And I'm so, so happy. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.